Uh oh. <sighs> oh no. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> what? Oh no. Some uh, feminist magazine wrote about me. Hello, hello, hello. Can hey, you hear there me? You are. Yeah. Okay. A feminist magazine wrote about you? Yeah. I don't want to look. Maybe I'll have you look. Which one is it? It's called Dame Bust? Magazine. Okay, I'm going to look right now. Dame Magazine Voice. Oh! The far right and anti-trans movement's unholy alliance. Yep, I found it. Should I read it? Am I just an alt-right YouTube? Oh my gosh, yep. Alt-right YouTube channel called Voice of Reason. <laughs> <laughs> you did it, Benjamin. I'm a darling of the alt-right, finally. You are darling of the alt-right. When, when, then it started out four years ago. The channel was mostly focused on Benjamin Boyce's hatred for his liberal college. <laughs> Diversity, social justice warriors, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, cultural Marxism, and feminists. Sprinkled with occasional fawning over Jordan Peterson. Standard alt-right stuff. This person Today, hasn't watched me. What? This person has not watched me. Today, approximately half of his posts focus on trans people and a host of prominent anti-trans guests, among them Maya Forstadter. Oh, I didn't know you had her on show. Who called pronouns Rohypnol. Wow, she's very um, literary. This person Graham, doesn't even understand that that's not Maya Forstadter. That's, that's a reference to somebody else said that. God, they, they're so lazy. Shoddy. Graham Linehan, banned from Twitter for harassing trans people. Megan Murphy, banned for the same reason. Blanchard, Sasha Ayad, Ayad, yeah. Nina, yeah. Nina Power, Stephanie Davis, Arai, Den Rousseau, Schreier, James Cantor, Helen Joyce. He did a segment supporting super straight, hashtag super straight. So, yeah, you got a pretty so, prominent part in this. That's uh, cool. So what they yeah, did, was they job. found my channel and then they just scrolled through the videos, didn't watch any of them, and then just like made up their mind on what's going on. Yeah, that's probably what they did. Yeah. That's their research method. Yeah. Well, it's I've... escalating to an all-out war. Oh. <sighs> yeah. Well, I, it's a complex topic. And if you break it down into, uh, you know, there's these poor little people that we have to help and they can't be wrong at all. And any sort of question about their methods and their motivations and their eventual desire to what they want to achieve, any questioning of that is is suppressing and harassment of this. Yes. And there's because you're not like logic, reason, and evidence doesn't mean anything. <laughs> like if you try to bring up a logic, reason, or evidence – it's not, it, it's not, they're not even speaking the same language. Well, there are two different dictionaries. We know that, but hmm. you know, you can't have a conversation with somebody if you can't evaluate their points using logic, reason, and evidence. That's what we've agreed to do as a society. And now suddenly they're not. Did we ever really agree to that? Or was that just the hegemonic implied? force? Yeah. That was just implied. <laughs> we've strayed that's from the that. oppressive. That's the, the oppression, I guess. It was I think forced, enough it was people upon us. enough people worked in that mode of engagement with reality and each other to provide us with all that we are now 
gifted with, but most of us don't actually adhere to that principle. It's just those principles have stocked up all of this detritus of the modern life. Most of us don't actually go through and logically evaluate every proposition that we think we are. That's true. That's so true. But, um, I, but I mean, supposedly that's what we aspire to in academia, for example. Okay. Okay. Just as we aspire to that and using the scientific method, like that is supposedly the, how we, or I think we've agreed to make, to make progress in terms of the unfettered exchange of ideas. Like it's not just, people hurling insults at each other although in reality yes i understand that it that it is in many ways but you know that's like the proper way right and that's um well you would expect that of journalists and anybody who is respected you would want to put your eggs in the basket of the person who is going to tend to them with logic reason and evidence that's the yeah, wise the investment hope. yeah that's the hope and um as we just saw in this Dame article, as you've just posited that they scrolled through your YouTube, they didn't actually evaluate. They didn't, well, they didn't actually even listen, let alone evaluate. They didn't reach out to me. They didn't reach out to you. Yeah. So that's not, that's just laziness. Well, but and therefore it's they, completely discounted on the fact that they didn't actually do any due diligence. So this is just a fluff piece. To just put more words into the void. Just more words in the void. I don't think anybody's yeah. going to judge me one way or the other because then they're not judging me. If they if somebody reads that and believes everything in that article, they're not actually lo listening to me. They're listening to a version of me that this person made up in their head. So it doesn't actually affect me. I mean, maybe uh, if enough people write that, I'll be alt-right. I'll be far right. I'll be more and more castigated as somebody to be completely dismissed. But they, those people do that to everything. And so no, nobody of any intelligence is eventually going to be left in their side of things because it's all the will to power. That's all it is. Just the will to power and laziness and mediocrity and pettiness and anti-meritocracy. They're not going to be able to build anything. All they can do is tear people down, tear things down. Well, this Stalin had something going for a while. Well, see, that's the thing. This is decentralized. There is no Stalin yet. There's Stalin ah, for a Stalin, right? Right, but we feel like we're, we're preparing the ground for a Stalin to step in, just waltz right in. I don't know about that. I mean, that's the question. Will we eventually have that? Will we eventually have that? Will they eventually look for a savior to come together and bring them all together? I don't think that these ideas can build into something that actually permeates positively throughout culture. Uh, there are things that it gives nod to like how do we reduce racism i don't know but that conversation is completely obscured by the rhetoric of uh, critical race theory or whatever we want to call it critical social justice hmm. well this the conversation about crt or whatever critical social justice the the uh cynical theories the book we need all those things i just um just want, I feel like artists, a lot of artists are discouraged. I've talked to artist friends, white males who don't promote themselves like they used to kind of are feeling like, what's the point? Hmm. Um, they kind of feel like they're not allowed to be out, you know, out there 
trying to sell their or put push their work because they're white males. And um, there's almost like a almost a sense of shame or something. It's like it's working, whatever it is, it's working. And I think there are artists. Some people say, "Oh no, I I just saw this comedian. They're super great. And they're not. I mean, Ryan Long is not, I guess. But I think a lot of people are self policing. I know they are because I did for a long time, and I I still do in some ways. In some, I do have some fear, although I'm, I'm I don't think I'm self policing. Um, hmm. and I think that that's, it's like a voluntary, voluntarily handing over your imagination or something. And artists need to, that's, that's what art is. Like you have to go beyond the no trespassing sign anyway. I mean, hmm. and now you have this other no trespassing sign. that's like a, like even if it's it's like way before the like the one that's way out there <laughs> it's like this like mm-hmm, false mm-hmm. fake one that's like you're putting on yourself yeah you can't even engage with the boundaries of human art and attention and etc you can't engage with the boundaries anymore because you you can't even step out the door anymore yes yes i mean the boundaries yes i mean gosh i'm like a fan of um dennis cooper you know and i'm gonna say that okay. out loud um, and Dennis, I mean, his writing is like pretty out there mm-hmm. and it, it's almost so far out there that it's almost not even transgressive anymore. It's almost like it's more transgressive for like someone like a white male to write in, in the character of a, of a black female or something like that's like somehow more transgressive than like writing about um, a grown man, how, you know, raping little boys like that. It's, it's this weird, like that the morality has shifted, right? Like that, that's, that's no no longer even on the radar, that stuff way over there, that, that pedophilia or whatever, like Hmm. it's now shifted to this like weird, uh, James, James Lindsay would call this paramorality, I guess. So I don't know. I just think it maybe, I, I know it's hard when there's real aspects to art, like book deals get dropped or never get offered when a work mm-hmm. of art is really, really good, but it's ri- it's written or created by the wrong color person. That's really fucked up. My well, that's just institutional, right? Yeah, that's institutional. Uh, but I, it wasn't focused. Publishing. It's true. There's like, oh, I guess there have always been talented people who are denied by the gatekeepers, right? And doesn't isn't that like the ultimate writing prompt to be a white male and to get actually transgressive thoughts out there somehow? Like that that's a it's a challenge. Any artist worth their salt would be rising to the challenge. If you're cowering in the corner, you're not worthy of being an artist. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. When you're most needed, you're cowering because people think of you badly because you're the color of your skin. You bought into the bullshit. I have no sympathy for you. That's well. Jab yourself have, in the uterus or, or punch yourself <laughs> in the balls and get to work. <laughs> That's what I say too. get to work, clean that shit out of your head and get to yeah. work. Yeah. This is like, we need you. We really need you now. We yeah. need some real stuff out here. Cause it's all fake bullshit. We really, really need you to get to work. So please, yeah. Yeah. please get to work. <laughs> please get to work. Oh, artists. Yeah. Artists. Right, you can self publish. Yeah, you can do that. Uh, and the institutions are so rapidly expending their credibility that, you know, in five or 10 years, they're going to they're going to be like 
going to be yearning for something real. So we might as well lay the groundwork now because eventually it's going to shine. If, if you tap into that and you don't know, as an artist, you're completely risking. And somebody said in one of my videos or under one of my tweets, I think it was under my tweet, I was asking about Pink Floyd and somebody said that they really like uh, Waters, Roger Waters' work. Um, <laughs> and then because we are kind of in this kind of anti-communist, uh, you know, kind of discussion or something, somebody, some people interact, intersected who are anti-wokesters and they're like, oh, so you're okay with an artist who's anti-capitalism or whatever, even though you're staunchly uh, capitalist yourself. And then the guy said and respond to that, he's like, well, the thing is, the, the, the problem with conservatives is that they understand that being an artist is, is too risky. So you don't have any conservatives that are actually devoting themselves to music, whereas a liberal takes that risk. The liberal just like, uh, you know, the classical version of the mm -hmm. liberal just takes off the shirt and like, I'm going to be an artist, right? The conservatives mm -hmm. like, oh, that's not reasonable. That's not rational. I have to abide by the forms and the formalities that have gotten me here and take care of those things, right? Hmm. But then the, the liberal, the entire liberal side of the discourse, the entire creative side of our economy, that liberal side has now been captured by a super pro forma, uh, super conservative, super reactionary, super regressive morality. And so they're now they're just pumping out schlock because all the, <laughs> all the real liberals, you can't be. You're like now you you know the that which in which that in which you were embedded up until a few years ago has turned against you. It's turned against everything that you stood for. Yeah, well, a lot of them, a lot of people have part are participating in it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You get you get some bucks. You get some status bucks if you play into it. But it'll come for you. That's what we've been saying to everybody. Like, no, this is going to come for you. Yeah. It will. It'll come for everybody. Like Stephen King, he was woke, 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 and then they come after him, you know. And Tom then he's Hanks. like, he said something about you know being fair for women, and then and then he's like, oh no no, trans women are women, trans women are women. Yeah, and Tom Hanks too. Well, his his son said white boy summer, and then and then he's like, oh, I got to write about June June Juneteenth. Juneteenth. I got I got or Tulsa. You know. Yeah. Yeah, Which it's is, so obvious too, isn't it? Like well, it's, it's, it's like good. So I mean, formative and obvious. There's there's a lot of good things that we could be talking about, and there's a lot of ways that we could be building up. Let's just say, for example, the black community and the black artists. You know, they, black art has been profoundly influential on me. Jazz and really like those old American rock and roll and jazz stars have profoundly opened up huge doors for me as an artist. Really. Yeah, jazz, like jazz itself, just the concept of jazz opened up huge yeah. uh, amounts of space for me to like, oh, I can play around. Like I'm always looking yeah. for people who show the way to play around in a new way. And there's a lot of <laughs> black art. You know, rap was them playing around in a in a way that was yeah. unprecedented. Yeah, you know, play. Yeah. yeah. Playing around, Benjamin. Yeah. That is like how yeah playing around that's not exchanging logic and reason that's just playing around yeah that's just playing around <laughs> yeah so you can it, there's a lot of good that can come from playing around a lot of good stuff there well uh, most it's of it's it's hard crap. to play around though when you're afraid yeah most of it's crap but, but, every once but you have to get through all the crap to find the yeah you, you, you have hit to keep on, on something you have playing. to do the crappy stuff 
But that's uh, it's hard to play around. It's hard to like, and I would argue even playing around with people just in general, like at the supermarket or at work, just playing with your peers is hmm. how you another form of another glue, another form of connection. Like that, that's not like you're not actually focused on anything. You're just it's the small talk and the spaces in between and the mm-hmm. fooling around and the joking around. That is was is totally. I think that's a dying art form too, because the self-policing makes that harder. Yeah. That's called spontaneity. Once you buy buy into microaggression, then all small talk is suspect. All and all spontaneity is is a potential landmine. And spontaneity <laughs> is applied authenticity. If you want to know what authenticity yes. actually is, it's being spontaneous. Oh my god, is that is that original? Yeah, spontaneity. Yeah, is applied but, authenticity. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna tweet that before you can. Just kidding. Okay. <laughs> you got that's good. It's a benjamism. That's a benjamism. Wow, spontaneity is applied authenticity. Yeah, you can't fake it because then it just doesn't work. You don't connect with the person. Like you only connect if there's something real, mm-hmm. and or the this applied authenticity. And people, and if you're self policing all the time, and you're so afraid about what you're gonna say, like or you can't you're have judging that. other people all the time. Right, right. You're you're watching them and judging them, and they could probably feel that. Yeah, it takes yeah, a very yeah. strong person to just be like, eh. <laughs> I know everyone in this room is watching every word I say, but I'm going to yeah, say it yeah, anyway. Yeah. But, I mean, as soon as you start to think about what you're saying, then you have the self-conscious layer, and it's no longer yeah. – there's something about not having – being conscious of it all the time, not watching yourself. And so that when you're self-policing, you're watching yourself. Mm-hmm. And so that makes this spontaneity impossible, and therefore this – other route of connection is now dead. It's yeah. dead. Dried up. And too dangerous. It's dried up. Limits. It's too dangerous. And Or you I just proforma your way and like, okay, we're going to be even more s- smaller and stiffer. Yeah, we're going to pretend to have a spontaneity. And it's like, you can feel it's not really working, but you... Yeah. No bing, bang, boom. Yeah. No bing, bang, boom. <laughs> How's the weather? Let's talk about you know, the weather. <laughs> the the thing, my problem and, and something that I, I've had to, well, that I've suffered from for a long time. My dad's, my dad is very, uh, well, he's lightened up, but when he was younger, he was very judgmental on an ethical level, you know, that there's right and wrong and this is the way and this is the other way. This is the right way. This is the wrong way. I, I inherited that criticism, but I transmuted it from the ethical realm to the aesthetic realm. And so I would always be very judgmental of people who were being spontaneous and who were performing, uh, especially on, on if you were on the stage and you were a pastor or you're preaching at me, I'm going, to, I'm going to be very critical of you and evaluate the content of what you're saying and the content of your character, right? But then that translated when I got older, 1920, I started being very sensitive to people laughing the wrong way. Or being dorky and you're like, uh, just like my cringe meter was like really sensitive. I was always like cringing. And then I was watching myself all the time. Like, oh, was that good? Was that bad? Was that good? Was that bad? Was that good? And like, like it was just Mm. this corrosive thing. It kind of caused me a lot of suffering between the ages of, uh, it kind of went off the charts until around 24. I started to, it started to loosen up, but it kind of went deeper once I started trying to write novels. Then it was just this this weight got bigger and bigger and bigger. But there was this aesthetic weight of me not being worthy, of me not being worthy. But my worth is all tied up into the work. My work is ultimately how I'm going to be evaluated. I still carry that around mm-hmm. when people want to judge me. I'm like, well, look at my work. Look at my work. Look at my work. 
And that will speak for me or against me, ultimately. But you don't know who I am. You can't judge me, actually. I stand before God and the people who are really close to me. Mm-hmm. I'm completely free from the mob. Like, you guys can tear down my work, but you, I don't exist inside of you or in front of you. As me. Yeah, that's, that's as like an image exact- of me opposite of what's going on though they're attacking the person thinking that you can evaluate that that person well, they're, they're, instead of their they're work. assuming that you can judge a human being and a human being is just way too complex it's just way too complex yeah I and then agree. you put yourself in the position of being judged too and in, in a very petty way so i don't I, I think it's a losing game yeah i think that there's some a lot to that like uh people who are the most judgmental or who come off as the most judgmental, they're probably pretty damn hard on themselves. Right. Don't you think like they're the self-policing? I think that's like what you were just talking about directly related. Well, some people are so good at being judgmental outside that they reserve no judgment for themselves. And so they make all these horrible assumptions. They're always based on assumptions and they can never evaluate their assumptions, but they're really, really judgmental. They're really into applying their judgmentalism and not, but not on themselves. And so there's, but not this, on huge themselves. there's this huge gap. You're like, okay, well, there's this huge rigidity and, and focus and narrowness of interpretation. You can't even get them to interpret things differently like in a mm. playful manner. So you can't be playful. So they can't interpret uh, any, sor- any sort of phenomena that, that is touching upon what they hold sacred, even if it's humorous and obviously humorous. They can't read that humor. They have to read it as an assault, either for them or against them. And that judgmentalism oh, is just so... God, that's rigid. such a... That's, I have empathy for the people. Yeah. That's miser- That's misery. I think that's miserable. I mean, it must be miserable. Well, down the line, like I played a little, I dabbled in demagoguery just a little bit being like an alt-right commenter. No, not even an alt-right commenter. I was just like some guy, like I'd find these stupid op-eds about feminism or whatever, like, you know, or like multiracial white identitarianism or something like that. You're like, okay, is it white identitarianism or is it multiculturalism? Like make up your mind. You know, I did a lot of that, but like that kind of uh, depleted me. I want to go on a deeper level than just responding to phenomena. Even though if you respond to phenomena in a creative way, you get a lot of attention and attention is necessary. So you can't just dismiss the audience. You can't dismiss the audience. Hmm. That was what my dream was about with Satan. About all that? Kind of. Yeah. It's all about. Are you, are you, do you care to share your dream? Well, okay, so it starts out in this really weird zone. So I was I was in this realm, and I was surrounded by females, um, and we were doing a lot. There was a lot of activity, but it was basically <laughs> I was interacting with a lot of females, and there was this matriarch in the center that was kind of guiding all interactions. But every interaction was about um, about figuring out who's responsible for what. It was always like, well, is that your job or my job or your job or my job? And we're, it was all this kind of positioning of who has to take care of what. And that was, the, it was like, that was the struggle. And yet, yeah. if, you took that, if you took that as is, then you got, uh, the, you got to be intimate. And I'm not talking sexually, but you get to like, exchange feelings with these different uh, You mean if you worked out with one of these individuals, okay, now we know what's going on here. Now we can have, then we can be we can close. Have an intimacy. Yeah, we can have an intimacy. And, but you had to do that with each 
Pert. You had to like establish And they were doing reach. it with each other too. So you right. have to manage okay. all of this kind of like this kind of bickering, right? Yeah, and then yeah, this, yeah. that kind of like policing of boundaries and policing of propriety and policing of who's responsible for what. But you, but there was all this feminine kind of uh, energy there, which I enjoy. I really enjoy that feminine entity. I find it creative. Like it, it sparks my creative. You enjoy it in life, you mean? In general or in the dream? In life and then in myself, you know, like in my own, like kind of uh, imagination, like when I'm feeling, when I'm writing, when I'm expressing myself, you know, like that mm -hmm. being close to that energy, which is part of all of us, because I came from a woman and you came from a man and like, you, you know, like I'm composed of that mm -hmm. just as much as I'm composed of masculinity. But, but anyway, so w that was all going on and I was, I think I was getting tired of it or I, I'm like, well, I have to get back to work. I have to get back to work. So I was trying to write this screenplay about this man named number two who was trying to climb to a top of a tower i think that's significant so this this man named number, number two, two so, he's, right. so he's he's second place but he's trying to get to the top and he was trying to do all these things i was this trying is to a, this a novel story. or a screenplay it was a screenplay for some screenplay. reason and i and i was i was writing that and i looked out the window and there was this uh this goblin that had been watching us and this goblin was beautiful it was made out of like moss and wood and it was just kind of hanging out in the tree and and I'm look, looking at him and he moved to try to com camouflage himself, but he was so like the detail was just so intense. And then he kind of like, oh, I'm being watched. So he just turned into like kind of this fungal, like white fungal stuff. And then he just disappeared. He dissipated. And and he went down that way. I'm like, OK, well, it's down that way. So I met Lucifer or I, I met this entity that had these eyes i'm like uh, he's like come come into my domain i want to talk to you I'm like oh this is i think this is lucifer so i start going away from the feminine realm and i start going down into all these different basements and sub basements and uh and and at every level there's like kind of um different kind of struggles that i have to do in order to get to the next pass or these there's kind of puzzles and it became more and more masculine and everybody around me huh. started becoming more and more like men and then I was just in this room with my friends, my men friends. And then, uh, and then this entity came and said, he's ready to see you now. So I go into Lucifer. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to talk to Lucifer. And, and the thing is, every time I met Lucifer through all those different substrates, he always had the same eyes, but he had a different form. And, and when I met him in this other room, he was Mr. Rogers with, with Lucifer eyes. It's like, he, he presented himself as Mr. Rogers to me for some reason. I'm like, okay, this wow. is interesting. He's wearing a cardigan, you know, <laughs> I'm like, okay. So I go up to his desk and he puts this, uh, this contract on the desk and he shows me like on the left side for me is like a marginal amount of attention. Like I could, I could exist and be productive and kind of get by and have a little bit more than enough to get by. Or I could have this. And it was all scandal and attention and notoriety and productivity. I would be able to produce much and also be embroiled in a bunch of scandal. And all I had to do in order to get that, this is the weird part, was let him touch me one out, uh, once an hour during the dark Lucifer would, like at night I mean yeah in, in the dark Lucifer would come and touch me once an hour I'm like well where would you touch me he's like well it, it doesn't matter <laughs> you, <laughs> this is a weird part so he brings out this binder he's like you choose where you want me to touch you and there was all these body parts you know like all these body parts that, like, so it didn't matter to him no he just so wanted what, to touch what me what was he getting from touching you though what do you think that's the getting? thing 
This is an interesting thing. So I was looking through this book of uh, of all these body parts. Body and parts. One image kept on coming of like men hugging each other, men hugging each other, men hugging each other. And it's like, oh, Lucifer wants to be close to me. He wants to have intimacy with me. Yeah. Like, Lucifer wants yeah. to be intimacy with, intimate with me. And in exchange, I would get all of that he's offering. And so this is this is what I'm thinking of the dream. So this this dream has too much symmetry to be completely just forgotten as noise because you have that realm of the feminine and the realm of the masculine. And so there was some sort of transit there. So when I got down to the realm of Lucifer, Lucifer is the Lord of lights and sounds. And what are we doing right now? All we are is lights and sounds. He's the Lord of this internet domain. He's the Lord of where I am uploading myself, right? So Lucifer comes in all these different forms, but the same eyes. So I'm always looking through the same screen, mm -hmm. all these different forms. So he is promising the internet, the algorithm, the almighty algorithm is, is allowing me all that, all the scandal and productivity and notoriety that I could possibly desire to be always close to me, to always be touching me. Like, like to, to, for me to wake up once an hour every night and look at my phone or something like that. There's something about that. Of and for you to aware. be like featured holding. all the time, like you're the new, you're, you're there. Yeah, I'm there. Everyone, uh, I'm everyone a, gets I'm a access. I'm someone, like, I'm, I'm someone yeah, in that realm. Someone in the realm, that realm, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. But. There's a deal. He was really picky. One more thing. He was really picky about that contract. And I'm, I was, and I'm, I'm still thinking about it. What, do You're I still thinking about signing it? <laughs> and I, I just like passed a pen over it. And he's like, don't touch it. No, no, nothing except your signature. He's really like OCD about this freaking contract. He's like, it has to be clean. Only your signature. I don't want any dirt on this thing. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. But it was it was it really cemented that contract in my mind, and I was thinking about it. I was doing the calculation. I'm like, well, what if I just tell your story and I, I don't have to be touched by you? Like, it's, so you're I'm still my own, but you're close to me. He wanted human connection. This thing wants human connection. Well, ultimately, we are the uh, energy that makes it run, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's electricity, but. No, it's our, not, you're right, it's, uh, it's our, you called it uploading our attention, but I, mm -hmm. I would say we've entrusted our inner world to machines. Yeah, our, our the desire. machines require us, what? Our desire, our attention, our mm -hmm. anger. Well, literally our inner world, like all our photographs, all our yeah. I mean, everything's yeah. like you need a machine to access them. You, and now you need the internet to access them because they're all in cloud, they're all in servers. Yeah. We think about this a lot. It's like this huge disenfranchisement from our own memories in a way, or our documented memories at least. Mm -hmm. um, we used to keep a box of photos. I mean, I still yeah. have a box of photos from when I was growing up, but now everything after that is like much harder to access. It's ephemeris. like we've, been, we've handed it over. Yeah, it's ephemeris and could be easily. That's a pretty profound interpretation. And so what was the other choice? The other choice was like, basically it was implying that the other choice was to go kind of be how you are now, like just um, normal like life. The, the sum total of my life would be, uh, not pathetic, but, uh, kind of humble, <laughs> just, uh, not that big of a deal. And, and a little bit extra, like I, I would be kind of a, I would be, I want to be a no name, but I would just be a name and a little bit extra. Right. Just a little bit extra. 
But it's interesting because that realm was just so masculine. And then there's that other feminine realm. Yeah. What's that about? And the masculine realm was down in the basement. Yeah. It was like deep, deep a down. Jungian interpretation. That would be like your deep sub The lower you go, the more you're going into your unconscious. Yeah. The boot, the base, the, the basement. Yeah. What does that mean? The feminine. The feminine was interesting. It's on the and then, surface. Well, it was very. The feminine was, was in person. Home. It, was the, it was about. It was embodied, and it was about home. It was about being engaged, and it was about being a part of a place and taking care of place. You know, and it was. It was uh, symbolized by cleaning up. There was a lot of cleaning up to be done, but it wasn't just about like doing that. It was like it was about taking care of reality and negotiating that. And all those negotiations were the prelude to intimacy, or the the. Not the prelude, but the prerequisite. And then the fallout of that. The negotiations that occur. Oh, you froze. Okay. Yeah, like there's, it's always, every relationship is kind of a negotiation, right? Like you, it's like. But so there was that negotiation, but then the masculine was a contract, right? So there was still a negotiation, (laughs) but it was a contract. I'm signing up for something and that's the deal. And it was very explicit. And there's only whereas, two things, too. Yeah, there was two things. Two, it was two choices. And it was forever. Whereas the female, it was always shifting. It was always negotiating yeah. constantly. Yeah. And very temp- temporarily, because there would always be a new mess or a new thing to deal with. So it was just like... And the negotiation. But it was alive. It was alive, is that what you said? Well, yeah, because he could feel it. Like, like it was much more... Like, the, the, the Luciferian realm was, was about the will... Which was which was about my byproduct and what I would do and what I would be embroiled in mm-hmm. with controversy and I don't know what controversy was there, but that was tied up with notoriety and stuff. But it was it wasn't it wasn't something I felt like in the feminine sphere of like my heart. It was it was like the the masculine sphere of like my arms, you know, of like what. That's I That's interesting. Yeah, in this in the feminine sphere sphere, the reward or what or the outcome was intimacy a connection with another yeah. a we yeah 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 very buzzing weenus <laughs> tetchy weenus <laughs> yeah the we the we and then so there was no role it doesn't sound like there was a real we like Satan. lucifer's we was more like you and me cold what do you mean well he, he wanted me. to touch me so he wanted to be in contact with me it was weird. Like he, I could touch him yeah. anywhere. He, it's I like he just, needed to, it's like a vampire almost. He just like. <sighs> every hour. Once an hour. A little dopamine hit. Every once an hour. Isn't that weird? Isn't that <laughs> such a weird freaking dream that I haven't had a dream that like vivid in a while. I think, um, I think I am being drafted for a contract or something. My my next year of labor, I'm about to have a birthday, so maybe this is about next year. That's a that's a pretty profound dream. There's something there. Yeah, I think so. How old are you going to be? I'll be 45, halfway to 90. <laughs> middle aged, halfway to 90. <laughs> I think I am middle aged. I'm solidly middle aged now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you're definitely middle aged. I mean, technically 36. Seven is like middle aged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. I think they, they didn't our parents have like over the hill was 40? That was when you were over the hill. <laughs> Probably. I, I felt my life just started when I was 40. You know, that's what my dad told me when I turned 40. He sat me down 
He said, Jody, I just want you to know life begins at 40. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you thought like, oh, Jody must be feeling really bad. I mean, I (laughs) I wasn't really feeling anything, but it was real serious. Like it it really begins at 40. Was there a pivot for you? Was there a pivot for you in the 40? Um, There was a major one for me. Really? Oh, well, I was buried in, I mean, I think motherhood is a big pivot <laughs> mm. for, for women who have children. I mean, huge pivot, like it changed my whole perspective on. When did you embark on everything. that? I, I got pregnant with my twin sons when I was 37 and I had them okay. when I was 38. So quite yeah. late, but yeah. quite fertile, obviously okay. got pregnant obviously. immediately yeah. and mm. they're identical. And then I suddenly I realized, like my first realization upon their birth was that, wow, reproductive justice or freedom, or no, reproductive freedom isn't just about abortion. Mm. <laughs> like, it's not about the just about the decision whether or not to carry or terminate a pregnancy. It's about how you, the the right to or the the fr- how how many choices you have or options in terms of how you want to give birth to your children. Mm-hmm. Um, because especially as a mother of twins, I was planning, I didn't know I was having twins for a while. That's the other thing. I had a midwife. I was very, you know, <clears throat> um, I was going to give birth in, at, at home in my apartment in New York city. And mm. that was the plan. And I had a midwife or I had like an alternative I already had like an alternative gynecologist. And so she didn't, we didn't do an ultrasound. She just did the like thing with the stethoscope. She's like, yep, I hear a heartbeat. You're definitely pregnant. Like that was it. Like, I mean, I took like a P test at the drugstore and then I went to see her. She's like, yep, there's something in there. So Hmm. I was like, oh, cool. You know? And um, then four months later, I had an ultrasound because it was like, I'm an older, uh, you're considered a geriatric pregnancy at at 37. And so I had this, uh, I was going to measure the nuke. It's called, you measure the back of the neck to, because statistically how thick that is can determine uh, the probability of the child having some uh, genetic disease or something. So at four months I went in to have an ultrasound at the local hospital and the, the, I'll never forget the technician's face. (laughs) technician was like looking at the screen and then looking at my chart that my gynecologist sent over and then looking at the screen and then looking at the chart. And I was like, Oh my God, what's wrong? What's wrong? And she was like, I'm just going to go get the doctor. I'm going to be right back. And I thought, Oh my God, like what's going on? And, and I, and I had thought something was wrong because I was big, but I never, it never even crossed my mind, <laughs> twins. It never even crossed my mind. I thought, because I was running. I was a big runner at the time. I was running like five miles a day. Oh. And I was running, running, running. And right up until I went into that ultrasound, like I started to feel really sluggish. And I started, I was big. And, and I was like, I, could, I couldn't run anymore. And my friend was like, my friend looked at me. She's like, I don't think you're supposed to be that big at four months. Like you're really big. And I thought, Oh my God, there's something wrong with the baby. I thought like it's encephalitis or something's like, it's too big or so when she did that, I was terrified. And then the doctor came back and very calmly explained to me that there are two, two babies in there. Hmm. So that's the story of how I found out I was having twins. And then, then I started swimming instead of writing, instead of running. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. So then, but that like, narrowed your choices even further. Right. So that exactly. Thank you for Bubble getting neck. me back on track. So I had a midwife and I went back to my midwife and I said, guess what? I'm having twins. And she was like, 
congratulations. I can't deliver them at home. She's like, I, I can't even deliver them in a hospital. I'm like, what? And, and she's like, she could, she admitted that she could admit them. She's a midwife. She knows what she's doing. She's delivered twins before, but the liability issues by this point and mm. the litigious nature of everything. And the, mm-hmm. it was just like, no, you have to go to a doctor and you have to go into a hospital. And so then I wish I called every midwife in the city, even the one who was like under investigation for botching something. Um, I called her cause I thought, well, maybe she'll do it. I re- and then I, th- I even thought about doing it myself. That's how, that's how out there hmm. I am. I thought, you know what? Mm-hmm. Women have been doing this for thousands of years. Like, yeah, yeah. fuck it. I don't need yeah. some authority. I'm just going to do it on my own. But yeah. my husband at the time was not, <laughs> not into that idea. Yeah. So I had to get a doctor and I couldn't find one, Benjamin. I couldn't find a doctor who would do a vaginal, like Earth. just would try for, a, they were, all wanted to schedule a C-section. I was, I was like, whoa, I just went from, hmm. I'm going to deliver at home with a midwife to you have to have a C-section. Huh. And I, I was, it was, everything was healthy. Nothing was wrong. So I finally found this doctor that would do a vaginal birth. And it, it turned out the whole thing was like a horrific, horrible experience at St. Hmm. Vincent's Hospital, which is now closed. And I, that whole experience, um, I ended up having a C-section. Um, I was just like, wow, I didn't have any, cho- like this, it was like a machine. I felt like it was in a factory, like where you mm-hmm. just get put mm-hmm. on the thing and it, that's what it felt like. And here yeah. my ba- my babies are born and they're immediately taken from me. Like the b- whole birth plan went out the window. Like nobody paid attention to it. Their gunk was in the eyes. They were ta- And like, all you want to do is you have this oxytocin going on. You just want to hold your babies like, oh, but it's twins now and you're too tired and and you're paralyzed. Like I was literally paralyzed from the waist down. I couldn't move. I could see my baby across the room, one of them, because they took the other one in a different room. And the longing, and there was nobody in the room and I couldn't move. I remember trying to, I couldn't even yell because I was so paralyzed. And it was like this, I don't know, the, it was traumatizing. I My baby was like, in an, my baby, my, hmm. who's now my son. But it was a very... Um, it really imprinted on me like, wow, I didn't really have much of a choice of how this went down. I was literally felt like I was on a spaceship when I was Hmm. having, there's all these lights, there's like 20 people in the room and you're just kind of this object. Yeah. 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 That's, that's how it felt. And so I felt very like, like my, the birth experience had been stolen from me and all that. Hmm. I mean, I felt that obviously, but having the babies taken away from you and not being, not having them, that skin on skin made me realize that reproductive freedom is not just limited to abortion. So just it was, sorry, that was a very long winded story yeah. of my, the birth yeah. of my sons, but yeah. it, it changed my perspective. And I also changed my perspective on immigration, like women, just everything, women, the responsibility of having children, like you can't just leave a relationship if you think the relationship's over, if you have children with that person, you got to really I mean there's a lot. I mean, that's for the father too, but it's just like, hmm. it's like a little piece of yourself, of your heart is now living outside your body. That's how vulnerable it feels. Mm. Hmm. Which changes everything. It does. It changes everything. I mean, all your, every consideration in your life, you, you think of them. Does it change your relationship or your vision vision of what you are or who you are? Or how does it change? Wow, that's um that's really complicated. Hmm. Well, I was I am an artist. I am an artist. Um hmm. 
it really, the thing about kids is, at least me, my inner world was very, very, is big. And I, I suspect it is for you as well. Your inner world, not my inner world. <laughs> that my inner world was really my gold, my pot of gold. And that's mm-hmm. why I'd never really cared that much about exterior. I didn't, wasn't well versed living in the practical world. I, I just bare minimum of feeding myself and sleeping. Like that's it. If I had a roof over my head, my inner world was really where everything was at and where everything happened and my, how I connected that inner world to other people and my art. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you have children, I realized how much of an indulgence in a way that inner world was and is because it's almost like a drug now, like just being quiet and reveling in the inner world and the imagination is mm. so it's like getting, it's not just about being interrupted constantly. It's about now you have to share even your inner world with these other humans, like who are always they're just, in, they're in there now and you don't have a, the, the luxury of the access to your inner world. Like it's just, it's, I tried yeah, like I made up, I mean, I did so much. I made up songs. I, I made videos with songs. Like when they were younger, I like to incorporate them into the art mm-hmm. or my imagine my inner world. It was just very, very, it was a huge conflict. Let's put it that way. Hmm. Huge conflict. And that's ultimately why I just kind of gave up on music. I, I kind of just shut the door because I thought, yeah. well, this is this is too much of a conflict for me. I think some women are able. To, some women, it's not a conflict. I wasn't an established artist, so meaning, I wasn't making a lot of money. <laughs> like I was yeah. still hustling when I had children, and you can't. I mean, I I know there are probably people that do it, but I mean, going out and staying out till two a.m. every night, and the kind of people I was hanging out with in the community and the gigging mm. and like that just wasn't going to fly with kids. It just it didn't fit their schedule. I mean, I think about people like Alice Neal, and I, I think, gosh, I, I that but that was a different era. So and, and a different living in New York City, like you could do it, you could be poor and, mm. and really do it. I mean, she she did it. She managed to do it to her credit. But yeah, I just couldn't. So I thought I can't deal with this conflict. It's just too painful. So I just kind of stopped doing. I had to drop something and I could not drop my children. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to drop my children. Was there resentment but, towards them for that? I hope sacrifice? they, I hope they don't ever watch this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah. How did you, how did you is, make peace with that? Then? Well, I've made peace with it now because, well, it's still kind of a conflict, but they're older and now they're more independent. So now I see it was really just a waiting game. But there was, there was resentment. And I think I kind of suspect that it's not just mothers who are artists, but I think that I've talked to a lot of women who, when they honestly, you know, people I connect with who also feel that I think it's, you'd be hard to find someone that didn't have some resentment because it is a huge sacrifice. Yeah, it is. Um, but I mean, I don't know. My sister-in-law, I, she she always just always wanted to be a mom, and it's I don't think there's I don't think there's any resentment there. But it, you know what I've noticed about children is like it's this really this bond. Like when you're ready, I, I remember saying this to somebody. Like these developmental stages, 
like I just got so tired of carrying them around and, and physically moving them that one day I was like, it was like, I was like at the end. I was like, I, I just, something in me was like, I'm just, I can't do it anymore. And like, that was the day they learned how to walk. <laughs> it was like really it's this really weird symbiotic thing going on and i noticed that like every time there was a stage it was more like i was done it's okay now oh. they're done it was but it wasn't communicated i wasn't like i'm not picking you up anymore i wasn't like refusing to move them it was just it was like we were like in sync mm. and i think i wonder if there's some evolutionary thing where like the mother just like gets tired and then that kind of the infant senses it and pushes through to the other stage or something huh. it was really <laughs> really weird huh. and like i'm tired been... of making this formula like okay now they're ready to eat real food like <laughs> hmm. i don't know you're an intuitive person so it could be a mixture of you knowing when you can give up and uh, finally admitting to yourself that you're not going to do it anymore who knows yeah who knows you're you're, you're pretty intuitive too i guess so how do you know? do you feel like you are I don't well, know. I have to seem... talk myself out of imaginary things. Like so if you go through more. a breakup, you know, if you go through a breakup uh, and the whole world feels like it's ending, yeah, like, no, it's not ending. It's just oh. Or somebody's mad at you, you know, you're like, no, I, I can absorb that. I can feel your anger, but I don't need to internalize that now. Wow. That sounds very mature. I don't know. Maybe hopefully I'm approaching maturity. But then once you become mature, then you have to be responsible. And you're like, well, I'd rather just be immature and irresponsible. <laughs> well, you don't have children, right? Or do you? No. no I don't. Think, yeah, I didn't think so. Um, well, then you can go on being a little, I mean, can't you? I mean, Reckless, some people. Yeah. <laughs> Luc Luc Luciferian bargains. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Crash cars. So how Please are you going cars. to facilitate the expansion of these load-bearing <laughs> aspects of culture? Culture. Cultural integrity. Oh, what is that? That's what it is. Comprised of. What's that comprised of? I don't know yet. Uh, <laughs> well, somebody recently was talking about integrity, what it means. It means when something's itself or something like that, when it's, you're just wholly of what you are. So art for art's sake, I guess, um, instead of art as like a political vehicle to get you to do something or art with a motive, I guess. Hmm. Um, so yeah, cultural integrity. Um, I think there are all these like outlets, I guess, for lack of a better word or mechanisms that, that work. They're like wheels. And hmm. if they're working together and we're relieving the pressure, we're letting the air out of the tires every once in a while. Like it, it's this, this thing of like, there's tension rises and then it's released tension, release tension, release. Hmm. It's like the universe breathing. It's like breathing or, hmm. or sex, you know, there's like tension and release, tension and release. Hmm. And if we don't like, so those, those, load bearing those release points hmm. um how do i plan on how, well i released the i made a wrap i did it myself i did something yeah. for myself that relieved a lot of pressure on me and made me feel like free and there was something about that process it was really hard because i didn't know what i was doing 
Yeah. I did film it with a videographer, a professional, and I knew while we were filming it was just wrong. It was just like wrong. It, it just didn't feel right. I didn't even look at the footage actually. So I, I said, I need to do this myself. It needs to be authentic. Mm-hmm. It needs to be mm-hmm. some, some applied authenticity needs to happen. And um, I was able to catch some on camera, some of that applied authenticity. And um, I needed to, once that was done, I just felt like now I can say or do anything. And I felt really free Hmm. and release. I I feel Hmm. much better now. It was almost like it came full circle, the whole thing. It was like part of the story. Um, And also it was like creating something after not for a long time. Mm Mm-hmm. And so th- just doing that, I was I was kind of hoping to inspire other people, and maybe it still will. So these things just don't aren't immediate. And there's actually a musician now who's working with the tracks. And I want to say that that the the tracks to the rap that the library rap that I did are available. If, if anyone wants them, you can write to me, and um, mm-hmm. you can have them. They're stems and remix them and make something if you want. If you don't know how to make your own music, you can use mine because they're Creative Commons. Um. So, yeah, that's I did that, and I'm starting an organization. Should I talk about that? It's called oh. Integrity. Yeah. Integrity. Oh. What? It's called Integrity Matters. Okay. Yeah, it's a it's a going to be a nonprofit, and so that's going to help do two things: going to help people help fund lawsuits, people okay. in hostile environments, and it's going to I'm going to give grants to artists who are making work. And granted, it's subjective, but who are making work or comedians or dramatists, anyone like that who's doing work that I feel is working as glue or reinforcing the glue and mm-hmm. is touching us, on, moving us on a deep level mm-hmm. in, a, in a positive way that's, you know, better, that makes us feel good. So there's a curatorial aspect to that. Yes, there's a curatorial aspect. But the criteria... And the criteria is obvious is going to be subjective, but it doesn't matter who the artist is. It really doesn't to me. And the focus is on the work. Like you said, Benjamin, like you want people to ju- if you want to judge me, go look at my work because you can't judge me. So I'm not going to be judging artists. And that includes woke artists. So for example, Lena Dunham, let's talk about Lena Dunham, super woke, mm-hmm. right? She's like super woke. But I think she's an incredible writer. I mean, I read her book, Not That Kind of Girl, and I was like, this is the the love child of Woody Allen and Nora Ephron. Is that how you pronounce it? Nora Ephron? Hmm. Like, she's amazing. She's an amazing writer. And um, I'm, and I liked girls a lot. And But she's super woke. But that doesn't matter because her work is, like, amazing. And so I would totally give Lena Dunham a grant. Lena Dunham doesn't need a grant, I don't think. But... Um, my criteria has nothing to do with the artist. So it's not even anti-woke stuff. It's just good. Just if you're producing good work and you need the help, I want to help you because I think it's important. So that's my formal way of doing it. And I think my informal ways of me producing work, me contributing my own voice and my own music. I'm a Mm -hmm. musician, as you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and now a videographer. (laughs) Oh, wow. You're just a, Skills are attracted to you. you don't have to go yeah, they just, I'm like a skill magnet. <laughs> skillet. Second definition of skillet. Yeah. So that's Integrity the plan. Matters. When is that launching? In late 2023? 
second quarter 2022? <laughs> well, it's launched, Ben. Oh. It is it yeah, I'm 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 in business. I'm incorporated. Oh, and wow. just got to build okay. the website and working on get getting a fiscal sponsor right now. So Okay. I'll be able to start uh and I raised a lot, a lot of money on GoFundMe. So I have a little yeah, cash yeah, yeah. to start with. Okay. Um to start giving out grants. I have to build the criteria and whatnot, but So you, you know. took all of that attention and you're putting it you're investing it back into the community where you think it's most necessary. That's a, that's such a nice way of putting it. Thank you. Yeah. So is that not what you're doing? Yeah, no, that's accurate. Yeah. Um and since I'm an artist, obviously I'm interested in these other aspects. I think they're critical. But like also helping other people who are my who are in my situation because we don't mm. have mm-hmm. there's no like the ACLU didn't swoop in to help me as yeah I mean no. they I didn't get yeah. a call from the ACLU no. yeah um so we don't really have a place for people to go if they need to hire a lawyer or if they lose their job and they need to get tied over for a few months mm-hmm. so I'm hoping to be that or w- at least one such organization. I don't yeah. think we can have too many organizations right now. Uh, somebody, uh, I, I need, I'm, I'm not a business person, so I don't know how to evaluate these things, but somebody set up, I made a joke about cancellation insurance and then somebody ran with that idea. And now he's uh, putting together this blockchain cancellation insurance. Thing. No way. But I, I don't know if it's a scam or not. I can't, I can't tell at that level, but it sounds pretty cool. Like he sent me some diagrams and charts, so I'm gonna have to get somebody who knows things. It's cancellation insurance. So yeah. like, if you get canceled, then you so you pay, you pay like a premium, and then, well, I would think that if you had cancellation insurance, you would be less likely to self censor and self police because you'd be like, well, I have insurance. That's what he, so okay. that's the whole right? goal. Like that's like, the I'm not gonna lock to... my bike up because I have I have insurance. I have homeowners insurance. Well. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, well, you'd have to evaluate if somebody's being responsible in there, insofar as they're getting canceled, <laughs> right. right? Is there responsible cancellation? He's gonna, he's gonna need an actuary. We're well, yeah, so the, the mob is trying to hold you to a, accountable, but so is your cancellation insurance salesman. Like, well, we have to take we we gotta see if you're being accountable, responsible with this. Oh, I can see how this could go wrong. <laughs> see, I, I just think it's it's kind of fishy. There's something, but like the philosophy is to set up the conditions for more and more people to just speak their freaking minds. And if people, this is the thing, if people are like self, self-censoring out of cowardice, then maybe we don't want them representing their ideas. Maybe we, maybe we need something that is, is really stifling Ooh. where only the people who are really convicted can get through that mesh. Maybe these are the conditions. And you see voice after voice after voice in these community policing or the, these community uh, public school board meetings and stuff of parents finally stepping up. More and more and more of them. Articulate principled individuals are saying yes. we are standing up you know so maybe maybe that's necessary to to shake things up and to to make it costly maybe that cost is a benefit i'm not for Whoa. cancellation i'm not for woke have, culture have you thought about this before or did you just i'm just thinking through it right now why cuz that's a ma- an amazing thought and it's so positive it's like maybe we it's a need this. Pressure. Maybe, yeah. Maybe we totally need this to to suss out. Like, okay, we we need the good people. Here. We're all in trouble. We're gonna mm. do this whole big weird woke thing to like flush out the leaders and the people that we need that are worthy of the mantle of taking us <laughs> to the next step as a country. Right? Yeah. We are in the future. 
we are in the future. Wow, that's such a great way of looking at it. So who knows who's being incubated? What young troublemaker out there right now is incubating right? in, in, in this soup and figuring out, well, here's all the triggers and here, like, here's all the, here's all the functions that cause all this cascade of, of outcomes that are so predetermined and how can I rig the whole system? And maybe he's an evil genius. Who knows? Who knows what we're selecting for? And this is just brute yeah, evolutionary Yeah, I can see how thing. some we, evil geniuses could take advantage of this. We can, we can end up with a Stalin or a Churchill or a FDR. And I don't know if you want to say that one's worse than the other in that trinity. But, you know, you're, you're selecting for <laughs> the, the harder the pressure, the more uh, – I don't know. I don't, I'm not an evolutionary biologist, but I would the assume – The harder that, the pressure, the more – the stronger the individual needs to be. More resilient. For better yeah. or for worse. Yeah. yeah. Like – not fragile at all like yeah. really if you want to put say thick skin i guess that's a understatement i mean all this all this all this blatantly anti-white rhetoric coming out of our institutions right now is selecting for people who are wanting to identify with their supposed whiteness whatever that is they're they're summoning they're explicitly yeah. summoning the demon and making yep. an overture that this this is what we don't want while they're actually summoning that demon that's what happened at evergreen mm -hmm. they did they did a ceremony and summoned something very bad i i had dreams about that while it was happening like they summoned something they they tore a, a hole open into hell and hell came up onto earth and then they painted it all over with this really lame stucco crap but the residue of that thing was there. And that's what these major organizations are summoning. They're trying to summon something. And it's trying to summon. Yeah. We can see glimmers of that happening. Yeah. Yeah. You see it. It's you very, it. very scary because it's scary oh and it's gosh. lame and it's, and it ultimately artistically, aesthetically, it's displeasing to the maximum. Like freaking race is so dumb. I mean, culture's fine. I'm fine with ethnicity and culture because it's got some flavor, but race? Yeah, race is pretty boring. I mean, I, I adore going to Europe and, and praying in cathedrals. That brings me that brings me to such a deep space in my ancestry. I feel really connected to that, but I don't I'm not proud of that. I don't I guess I should like defend that or something i don't know i don't know if that's the conditions do we have to defend that now therefore we have to fight for it and how do you fight for your ethnicity properly when it's under assault this is this is the sticky thing if we have to start to defend my culture and any any move of defense is automatically castigated as alt-right you know or or is like a supremacist like I, I don't think my culture is supreme i think it's it's important to me but it's all mangled up in, in these associations by these people who want to dominate it, conquer and divide. Well, it's, it's nuanced too, because there are elements that are anti-white, right? But well, there's, um, it, it's, it's so much, it's so anti-white, but it's anti-black, anti anti-Asian. Yeah. It's, it's anti-everything. But, it, but it focuses, it, it, it causes white people to become the enemy. So it, yeah, it, so it's anti-white, but it also forces everybody who's not white to, 
to start to look and become racist and treat each other as enemies. And that white black divide is not is going to fracture into all these other communities. And then and then there's no more glue. It's actually the glue of us working on a common project, be it America, be it making money, be it, be it a, a picket fenced house or whatever that that kind of that lowest. Yeah. What about the Star Spangled Banner? What about that? Is Rockets, that like rockets declare bombs yeah. bursting through oh, air? Such a violent freaking song. It's about war. Most <laughs> most of the songs are about. I mean, like that's. I was reading about in Loudoun County, the parents disturbed a school board meeting. The school board meeting got you. You read about that, right? Yeah, Coast. I saw the footage. Yeah, they took. Yeah, over that you saw the footage. Wow, yeah, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't see the footage, but they started sing, singing the Star Spangled Banner, right? Yeah. I was like, huh, that's um. I can see how that that's a uniting thing. That's our national anthem, right? That's yeah, supposed to be, yeah. but like, is that now controversial? Like that that's like a one side has the star spangled banner. Well, if you look at the uh, declaration of independence, it's all about saying in the course of human events, some fucktard's going to come along and mess with your shit and you'll put up with it so much. And then you won't put up with it anymore. And you'll want to do something that's better for everybody. And that's what we're going to do piss off king george you know so i mean it's hmm. built into our dna to say once the government's no longer working for us hmm. it's it's completely invalid so all these government officials are playing with that they're playing with that and playing with that and taking advantage with people and at a certain point there will be a breaking point i think that we can annul that by art and aesthetics i think if we can if we can shed enough light and humor on this stuff and really saturate the cultural soup with true community building then that whole that whole game i think the game is too expensive for most people to want to play once they start to see how expensive it actually is so they're they're towing the line right and they're causing more and more people to tow the line but i think we can completely devaluate that game it's just going to take a lot of work and and what your work is doing is putting up people who do that yeah we we, yeah yeah if they see if people who are playing that game as you put it look over at the other people who are having all the fun and having spontaneity and applied authenticity. That's really appealing. They're going to be like, hmm, Hmm. maybe I should go hang out with those people because... Oh, yeah. Yeah. So there's the pool factor. But the thing is, like, get back to that article. They don't even have to look at your work. They can just, like, put you in the label. They're just playing the label game. But ultimately, those labels don't mean anything other than tribal signifiers. They don't yeah, actually, they're not, they're not nourishing. They're not they're actually not nourishing, nourishing. And they're going to get, be the target at some point too. Yeah. They'll be put in the paper bag. So. Castigated. <laughs> wow. Thank Fresh you, Ben. For the grinder. Thank you, Jody Shaw. That was your fascinating Integricity individual. matters. Well, you're, you're doing great work. I can't believe how organized and, uh, and with it you are. Oh my God. Thank you for saying that. I feel so overwhelmed. I feel, yeah. I feel like somebody, I did an interview with Greg Kelly the other day. Do you know who Greg Kelly is? I don't know. Oh. So many people He's I like supposedly super uber right wing, like don't talk to him. He's, a, he's an amazing individual. And um, hmm. I forgot what I was going to say. Something. Organized, put together. Oh, he asked, he said, what are you doing now? Like, how, what's your daily life now? And I was like trying to describe it. And I did this really roundabout way. And then I thought the next day, the answer is I'm building relationships yeah. my da- in my day-to-day life. Because relationships 
actually take time. Like yeah. there's conversations like you and I are building relationship, yeah. building, yeah. you know, and that's ultimately the movement. It's yeah. about relationships and the we, yeah. and I'm actually doing it. And that yeah. takes time. Yeah. Like you don't just like, Oh, I'm connected to this person. Okay. Now we're going to move forward. Like yeah. you have to have the, it's the first part of your dream. <laughs> yeah. Negotiation, that. time, intimacy. Yeah. Um, and then eventually yeah. you have to make that contract down in the basement. Don't. Oh, what, what, Just. <laughs> would you, would you take a life of infamy and renown and productivity and scandal? Like, and scandal? To be touched every hour. To be touched every hour in the dark by Satan himself. No, be, no, because then you're tethered. Because then you have to wait in the dark for Satan to touch every hour. You can't just like run off and go skinny dipping. No, you no, have no. to like be there available for Satan once an hour. That sucks for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you want to, it's, it's a really a choice of freedom or... No, it is. It's definitely all a that other stuff. It's, it's a, tether. a tether. It's a tether. But you get to, you're you're always going to be tethered to something. Right? Yeah, I guess it's a choice of who or what you want to be tethered to. I mean, you're tethered to your children and your work of caring and community building and propping people up to make starlight to shine starlight on us without burning us out. So you're doing that constant what negotiation. Are, what are you tethered to? Apples drop and blossoms bloom The naked sky covers you like I wanted to I see you on your bicycle You pedal to the places that you know I like to go with you High atop the Ferris wheel I caught a county caterpillar I won a prize And swaying in the fragrant breeze A patch of dirt upon your knees And the heat in your hot brown eyes To the country you go The farmhand and his sweet red Never shows, but it grows and grows and grows. Ah, but nature covers up her sins, the river sings its holy hymns to God and love. Ankle deep in poison weeds, the devil's work and other deeds with you, my darling. To the country you go The farmhand and his sweet red rose The thorn never shows But it grows and grows and grows A soft rain upon my blouse and now there is no doubt I see 
Country we go, farmhand. 